If you're looking for great Christian content, we want to encourage you to check out peachtreepress.org. Peachtree Press LLC offers digital products, journals, books, Bible study guides, sermon outlines, Christian blogs, and church notebooks for children and adults. Some products are also available as print on demand. Peachtree Press is a sponsor of this program and a partner in offering authentic Christian content. For more information, check out peachtreepress.org. Welcome back, rappers, to our fourth season of the Ray Reynolds Rap Podcast. If you haven't already done it, please hit that subscribe button or follow us for content on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, check out our website at rayreynoldsrap.com for sermons, weekly blogs, books, study guides, and lots of free stuff. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's program. So we are in uh, Revelation chapter 12 and 13. We started chapter 12 last week, uh, or two weeks ago, and then we paused for a little bit. Obviously, we had some different discussions on things last last week, but um, if you have your books, it's on page 26 is where we're going to pick up, and I just wanted to, since it's been a couple weeks since we really tackled some of these specific topics, I want to just just highlight some things in 12 before we move on into 13, because I do believe this is the turning point of the book. This is where we finally see Jesus doing what he promised to do in the first two chapters. And so uh, he's going to talk a lot about, John's going to talk a lot about the the dragon. He's going to talk about um, the child, which, which is Jesus. And then he's going to talk about the woman, which I think is pretty clear to me anyway, that, that it's probably referring to uh, Israel, or some might say, well, just specifically to Mary. But uh, Israel is going to give birth to um, Jesus. He's going to come from the family of Judah and uh, comes in order to, to die on the cross. So just kind of as a flash through real quick, we talked about the different kingdoms. We talked about the kingdom of the church. Uh, and the kingdom of heaven. Uh, we also talked about some of the paradoxes. It's really interesting how uh, there are things that we, we have here that is totally the opposite there. Uh, we talked about the differences between good and evil. So you see the, the father on the throne and you see Satan trying to overthrow him <coughs> in repeated passages in this. And then the lamb versus the beast. Uh, there's a lot of differences between the two of those. And now we come to this little section here about the woman and the dragon. So let me, let me just kind of read through this section with you. It says, Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a, fiery, a, red, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail threw a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God in his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that, that they should feed her there 1,260 days. So the first thing we need to see is that the, when uh, Adam and Eve were created, Satan rebelled. And when Satan rebelled, the Bible tells us that he took a third of the stars with it. That means a third of the angels. So just imagine a military with uh, two-thirds of the people on the planet on this side and a third of the people on this side. So it's pretty clear who's going to win. Even though the devil is going to fight spiritual warfare until Jesus comes back, the, he only has a third of the arsenal that the father does. But it doesn't stop him from attacking. And so the promise of the child in Genesis 3 and verse 15 was through the seed of the woman. And that's where we are. The seed of the woman, that is the seed of, of, of Mary and then Jesus, is going to bring the lamb into the world. So the hope of salvation is of Christ's coming. This is a kind of a flashback. In fact, it, it might do us a service if we read 12 and 13 before we read Genesis 1 to see what's happening behind the scenes 
uh, and the coming of this seed through Eve that's going to save the world. And so the other thing, too, is it says from the moment he was born, he tried to devour him. So if you'll remember in Jesus's birth, before he was born, the wise men are out searching for him. The shepherds are out searching for him. And it doesn't take long for Herod to start searching for him. Now, uh, we often say, well, Herod is the first threat to Jesus. You know, Herod is the first one who absolutely could have killed Jesus, maybe even before he came out of the womb. I'm going to tell you, I think the first threat of Jesus' life and death was not Herod, but Joseph. Joseph had every right under the law to have her stoned to death because Mary was pregnant before they were married. They were in betrothed, they were engaged, and it was treated like a marriage. But basically, this is the way a betrothal works. So you have the families who talk. The wife, the woman, has all of the leverage because they, the father of the bride has the choice as to who she goes to. And so the men would line up and they'd say, I'd like to marry your daughter. Okay, well, what are you going to bring to the table? And they call it a dowry. But basically, you'd have a man come forward and he'd say, I have 100 gold coins and two goats and three cows. And they'd say, thank you very much. What is the next offer? And the father of the bride would take the highest offer. So the women were paid for. Uh, so Mary uh, has already been paid for. The dowry has been paid. Joseph is a, probably a wealthy man. He owns his own business. He's a carpenter, which you didn't have that trade until you were in your 30s. So it gives you an idea of the difference of ages between Mary and Joseph. And so Joseph now has an opportunity to marry this young woman and establish a family, which he does. Uh, but when she comes up pregnant, he knows it's not his child. And so he, he loves her, but the Bible says he wanted to put her away secretly. In other words, he wanted to go back to the father and say, hey, give me a refund. The woman you gave me has got this issue. But he didn't want to shame her publicly and probably didn't want to shame her in front of her parents either. So he just said, let's speed things along. Now, if let's say if you're a man and you, you the dowry is met and you find the woman you want to marry, she could not live with you until you built her a room or a house. So he would basically go and he would start building an extra bedroom or he would build a whole home for his wife. Now, it's not like today. You can go to Lowe's and Home Depot and build a wall in just a few, maybe an hour. They built most of their houses out of stone or clay. So it was a job, and it might take a year before they actually finished the house. And then they would, as soon as they finished the house, the whole family would gather there at the house, and they would march to the woman's home, and they would bring her out, and they would bring her on this long march to her home to show her the house where they were going to live. And they had a feast, had all kinds of uh, parties. It usually lasted at a minimum of a week. could last up to a month, depending on how wealthy they were. And then everybody would leave, and the woman would begin her life with her, with her husband. So Mary has not received a house. She has not been able to uh, take part in a wedding feast or a march or anything when she gets pregnant. And so there's two things that happen. One is that she has a visit from an angel, right? Tells her what to do. And then uh, Joseph, who wants to put her away, he receives a visit from an angel. But there's another part of the story that often gets overlooked. Mary didn't stay home with her parents. Mary went to stay with Elizabeth. And she stayed with Elizabeth for six months. How do we know that? John the baptizer in Elizabeth's belly was three months old, the Bible says, and he leaped for joy with the Holy Spirit. And she stayed until John was born. And then Mary went back to her family. So she left her family very much not showing <laughs> as a young girl would be. She could have been, uh, estimates are between 12 and 13 to 16 years old. She's a young girl. And the, repeatedly the Greek words are used as a young, young woman. So she comes and shows up at the house six months pregnant. So uh, they have to marry quickly, right? They have to do all this kind of secretively. And I don't know whether he married her and then she went for six months and came back. Or it's possible that he just said, hey, we're not even going to do a ceremony. We'll just, as soon as you get back, we'll just move in. But the Bible does say that he did not have 
uh, sexual relations with her until after Jesus was born. So he preserved her, um, you know, her purity until after. And it is during those six months in the wilderness that she's away from her home. She's unprotected. But basically, it's like she's got this bubble over that house because God is watching over John the Baptist and watching over Jesus at the same time. So she comes home, and then there is the, the Herod incident. They have to flee to Egypt. And that is, again, when it says they had to flee to the wilderness, uh, he had to flee to Egypt for a couple of years. And then God sends another vision, and they come back home. But they do not go to Bethlehem. They go to Nazareth instead. All these are fulfillments of prophecy. But... Um, that is where the dragon rears his ugly head. Uh, getting a little bit off track, and I don't want to take too much away from it, but there's a lot of crazy supernatural stuff that happens after Jesus is born. Uh, go back to your Old Testament. How many stories of demon possession are there in the books of the Old Testament? How many books do we have? 39 in the Old Anybody know of a demon possession? Okay. What about an evil spirit possession? I can think of one. Saul. King Saul. But anybody else? How about the Gospels? How many demon possessions? How many times do you see the devil tempting people? In the Old Testament, Job. I don't know that he was ever visible to Job. But Job was tempted but the New Testament, man, Jesus is tempted by the devil several times. Uh, he enters Judas. He sifts Peter like wheat. He's roaming like a roaring lion. How come he isn't like that in the Old Testament? Well, he's present. There's no question that he's present. But whenever Jesus came, heaven knew it and the spiritual world knew it. And from that moment, the devil tried everything he could to attack Jesus, his family, his friends, his disciples. And he was going to kill him. He was going to ensure that Jesus died a terribly cruel death. I find it interesting that if Satan was in heaven before creation, and he was present at the creation of Adam and Eve, he knows the reason why God created him. And he knows the reason why Jesus is going to come in the flesh. If he knows that the world will be saved... If Jesus dies, then why doesn't he want to preserve his life? You ever thought about that? Why, does, why is Satan so bent on killing Jesus if he knows killing Jesus brings salvation? Well, a lot of that plays out here in chapter 12 and 13. His goal was to scatter the apostles. Jesus is going to die one way or another. They know this. It's prophecy. So Satan thinks by killing Jesus in such a terrible way, the apostles will run. And it worked. It worked. Um, I don't know that, that, that Satan was in on the whole plan of the death and the burial and the resurrection. I don't know that he knew Jesus was going to raise from the dead. But boy, when he did, it caused a lot of trouble for Satan's kingdom. And um, there's, at least throughout the scriptures that we've seen here... Uh, in Revelation, Jesus is not one to take things lightly. He's going, he's going to come uh, with both barrels, right? So, um, so John describes this conflict between the woman and the dragon. And so we learn about it, as I said, from the Garden of Eden. The woman represents the Old Testament people, the Israelites. Uh, Messiah descended from Israel, but the dragon tried to destroy with the promised seed. And there are various events recorded in the Old Testament that are attempts to destroy the line from which Christ was born. So when you go back to... Um, Abraham, God tried uh, to protect Abraham. Satan tried to inflict Abraham. And Abraham's story, um, I'm going to be doing a, a podcast here pretty soon about Bible storytelling. And I love to tell the story in narrative style of the story of Abraham. Because Abraham, on every page, is messed up with Scripture. I mean, he every, every time, God says, I'm going to provide for you, Abraham. I'm going to bring you a child. And he's like, great, I'm pretty old. And uh, he says, yeah, you're going you're gonna to have a child. And he's like, oh, okay. And I think the guy's a Limelech. I can't remember the guy's name. There's one of his servants that he just comes out and says, I'm going to leave everything to my servant. God says, no, you're going to have a child in your old age. And so he and Sarah can't conceive. So he goes to Sarah and says, 
God says, I'm going to have a kid. You can't. She goes, well, here's Hagar. <laughs> so he has a kid with Hagar. God says, no, 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 no. You're going to have a child with Sarah. Oh, okay. And so, I mean, every time, Abraham's two steps ahead. Because he's, he's getting old, you know. He, he wants to have a kid before he dies. Um, and there are stories like that throughout Scripture where Satan is trying to destroy the seed of Judah. But it, it does not work. And he, he succeeds. Uh, and so here on the screen, and it's, I think it's page 26 in your book, uh, the devil's successful in his attempt to tempt Adam and Eve, but God provides a way of escape. Cain slays Abel, but Eve then gives birth to Seth, so the lineage continues. Uh, wickedness overtakes man, but Noah finds grace in the eyes of God, so he spares him through the flood. Uh, there's famine, barrenness, stolen birthrights, family squabbles, and temptation that nearly overtake the patriarchs, but God guides them safely to Egypt, where they would stay for about 400 years. Uh, Pharaoh orders the Israelite male babies to be killed. Remember that? That's another attempt to wipe out the seed that leads to Jesus. But Jesus, uh, or God raises up Moses to lead them out of Egypt. And then the struggles of Joshua, the cycles of the, the, the judges, where uh, they're supposed to clear out all these people to make sure they don't intermarry, and they don't always do as they're told. And then Saul tries to kill David. You know, Jesus is a son of David. And so Saul tries to kill him several times, but it didn't work. And then Athaliah proceeded to destroy the whole royal family in 2 Kings 11 and verse 1. But God was looking after Joash, so Joash survives. And this should say 2 Kings, not 2 Kings. I need to correct that. Uh, and then uh, Haman tries to destroy all the Jews with Esther. So every page has some kind of a really tragic story where Satan is trying to wipe them out. And Herod tries to kill all the male children. So, and there are probably more stories uh, you could get to. Those are just the ones that I thought of that shows uh, that, that Satan is trying to destroy the uh, family. Uh, so let's keep reading. It says, uh, verse 7, uh, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon, again, this is the devil, was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and kingdom are uh, of our God, and the power of his Christ have come to the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives uh, to, to death. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. I think that's a verse that needs to be. Revelation 12, 12. The devil's time is limited. Amen? That's, that's, that's it. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth and persecuted, the woman gave birth, gave birth to the male child. The woman uh, was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for time and times and half a time. Which in other words, you're not supposed to know the exact date or time. From the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman and that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. And by the, but the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. There's, again, probably a whole series of lessons that could be done on this event, on these events. But it gives you a, a picture of the devil doing all that he can to try to destroy Israel and ultimately destroy Jesus. Um, there's some symbolism, too, with the, with the water rushing out of the mouth. Uh, I think about the flood of Genesis, of course. But uh, it was water that also drowned the Israelites, remember, in, uh, in Exodus. So there are several times that the devil tries to use uh, natural disaster to destroy the people. And uh, this is a hard thing to understand. People call them acts of God. But sometimes things that happen in nature uh, 
Satan is often called the prince of the air or the prince of the earth. And so while, yes, God is in charge, God has all power, Satan can and will abuse acts of nature and, and in a way to blame God. And so I'm not saying that every time there's a hurricane, it's the, the devil that's stirring the pot. But it seems to be from not only here, but several places in Revelation that Satan had access to clouds and lightning and thunder. And uh, it's almost like he's got the arsenal of God, some of it, but it never kills everybody. It's only limited to maybe a third of the earth or a group of people in Revelation. But that's, a, that's always a question. How is it that Satan has access to supernatural power? So let's ask that. What, what do you think the, the purpose of that is? Why does God allow Satan to have direct access to these things? Yeah. He allowed him to have power over Job for that reason. That's right. He sure did. Job's another example. He had power over the wind, had power over disease. So people say, why did God allow this to happen? You know, why did God allow me to get this sickness? Why did God you know, inflict me with this pain? Don't blame God. Don't blame God. The devil has a lot in his, in his disposal. He was expelled from heaven right. where he had all the powers of the angels. Right. And he was expelled to earth. And so... He basically has power over the things on the earth. Right. Uh, but he has no power in heaven. That's right. And uh, if you start thinking about, just kind of open our minds a little bit. Uh, in Genesis 1 and 2, the angels were present when God created the earth. So, have you ever... I mean, it's just as an example. Have you ever watched your mother or your grandmother make something? Maybe they have a special cake or a pie or a casserole that they make. And you watch them make it. Uh, you kind of get, especially when it tastes good, right? You want to replicate that. And whether you have the recipe in hand or not, you at least know the ingredients. Are you all with me? So if the angels were present when God created animals, when he created herbs, when he created trees, when he created fish, when he created birds, when he created humans, wouldn't it make sense that Satan had at least visual, visual to it and maybe even wisdom to how each of those things took place? And it shows again why Satan wants to corrupt nature. He didn't get to create things, but he watched the Father do it. And so now, if he can't create it, he's going to destroy it. And if Satan can't get God, he can get his children. And that's the reason why he, he tries so hard against us. We have a great example living right now, COVID-19. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you, you honestly think that God would have done that? Uh, no. Satan, mm -hmm. because he's trying to destroy all of us. He doesn't care about the people that aren't saved. Right. He's already got passage that uh, is in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and it says God is not the author of confusion so when there is things that are chaotic or destructive, now God can be destructive, there's no question he's a, he's a consuming fire but when God is in something it's evident that he's in it when the devil is there people want to give, they will no matter what happens they will blame God for it, they will blame God for it yeah. God allows things to happen because He wants us to have a choice. Right. He wants us to choose Him in His way, not to say Right. And Revelation is a pretty good uh, indicator that when we ask God for help, it's not always a rescue. It's not a rescue operation. Sometimes He gives us enough to sustain. You know, it's kind of like if you have a 
a, a terrible natural disaster and a helicopter comes by your house and they say, we can't lift you up, we got nowhere to take you, but we can drop off water and provisions. And there you go, you got some provisions. That's the way God works, is he will give us comfort, he will give us strength, he will give us a surrounding of people around us that will help, but he doesn't always give the relief. We can pray for it, and I, and I can tell you from experience, there are things that I've prayed for for years, and God said no every last time. I now know why Paul only did it three times. He got no three times and said, okay, Lord, I got it. I got it. I'll take the thorn in the flesh. But, um, but we know that Satan has the ability and certainly the wherewithal to, to use nature to harm his people. And so there, again, sickness, disease, all of this is the work of the devil. He intentionally inflicts pain upon the righteous. And I think it'll be the reason why until our country falls, we will constantly be a source of conflict. We are a thorn to anybody who even wants to, even if they want democracy, we're a thorn to them. You know, Russia was like, oh yeah, we want to be democratic. <laughs> so we'll just, you know, elect a president and El Presidente becomes ambassador or prime minister. And then the uh, prime minister, the first thing he does is uh, grant more, grant more uh, power and authority to the prime minister. <laughs> And then when it comes time for the next election, he goes, I'm going to run again. I mean, what is it, five terms Putin's been in? I mean, it's just, it, there's, there's, they want the appearance of being democratic, but they are not. And so our nation will always be a, a, a firing rod. It'll be, we will be a source of conflict and persecution until the country falls. Because we, we stay pretty much in the center when it comes on religious matters. Um, I'm going to talk tonight about evolution and creation. Uh, that's the topic. And so I'm going to show some statistics where uh, atheism is getting thinner and thinner. I think the recent statistics show that only 3% of those polled in Gallup claim to be atheists. Only 3%. Uh, a decade ago, 7%. But it's because a lot of them are becoming um, maybe somewhat agnostic, but they're also saying, I don't know if there's a God or not. I just don't want to be involved. And so, uh, but there's less and less that are militantly atheistic. That's just fading. Now, it doesn't mean that Christianity is growing any more than it was a decade ago, but we know that people are saying there has to be some kind of a creator. We don't know what it is or who it is, but, but only 3% will say, I absolutely believe militantly that there is no God. We are not able to explain conceptually evil. Right. We don't understand it. We don't understand evil people and why they do mm -hmm. evil things. And it's like from the beginning, we don't understand why God doesn't put an end to all of it. Amen. And take us all, the ones that are righteous, to heaven. Amen. You know, all these things are thoughts that God is in possession of. And we just can't think that high. That's right. Well, that's very well said. Uh, I think about in Deuteronomy when it says the secret things belong to the Lord. But uh, I don't understand. And, and we will never understand. No matter how spiritually wise we are, we have no explanation for certain things. And that's okay because one day. The other thing, too, that God is able to do is that uh, uh, if, let's say, you're making a recipe of something, right? And uh, you accidentally use the wrong ingredient. Or you use the wrong uh, dimensions of the ingredient. Or as someone I knew once used, a, I don't know, who put salt in containers this big? But you salt instead of sugar. But what God is able to do is when you mess up the recipe, he can work it out for good. He can find a way. David's a great example of that. David, every page, messing up, messing up, messing up. And God goes, I can work with that. I can work with that. It's kind of like a... Last yesterday, there were, we, there were three doctors in Abby's room, and one was the primary doctor, Dr. Jackson. But he had two aides with him, and they came in, and they were talking, and they were trying to calm her down and everything. And of course, Dr. Jackson sat back there like, we could tell. He didn't have to say these were two newbies. He was training. But um, they were trying to do this and trying to do that, and he was just like, just pull it out already, you know? And so... Uh, when, when they left, we're like, well, that was pretty obvious that the main primary doctor was trying his best not to be involved. But uh, God, no doubt, there are times he's sitting there. We do stuff, and he's like, you know. 
You ever had that head shake, you know, or somebody that you do something that's like, no, I'm not. God's shaking his head, but he allows it because he gives us free will. And we can choose to destroy the planet if we want, or we can preserve it. We can choose to destroy and harm people, or we can choose to be kind. But he gives us the choice. I don't think he gives us the choice to destroy the whole planet. I mean, we can, we can ruin it, and we can do things uh, bad to it, but I don't think he's going to give us the power. I do not believe that a nuclear bomb is going to blow the whole earth, and God will go, well, Jesus, get on down there. You know, I think he knows all things, so he's not going to allow us to nuke the whole planet. We may nuke parts of it. Uh, we already have, even in this country. We realized that you don't do it above ground, though. <laughs> we did it below ground for a while. But anyway. All right, so look at chapter 13. It says, Then I stood as sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven horns and ten, or seven heads and ten horns, and on his head a blasphemous name. In other words, the name against God. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear. His mouth was like the mouth of a, dry, a lion. This means a uh, corruption of nature. Think like the Sphinx in Egypt. Most of Egyptian uh, hieroglyphics show a manipulation of nature. Where like they may have the head of a cat and the body of a human. Think like that. This is the image John's saying. That this is a corruption of nature. You know looking at it it's not godly. Uh, the dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. Uh, a lot of people believe this is the Roman government. I think I've got a little bit of the notes in there. And I saw that one of his heads, as it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and the world marveled and followed the beast. So the, they worshipped the dragon who gave an authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who's able to make war with him? And who thought Rome would ever fall? You know, they were the greatest superpower. According to Daniel 2. And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. He was given authority to continue for 42 months. Uh, then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell on the earth. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and overcome them. And authority was given to him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. So everybody in the world was infected. They were against Roman government. It was a worldwide thing. Uh, it says, uh, all those who dwell on the earth will worship him. Those names have not been written in the book of life for the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Uh, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. And he who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here's the patience and faith of the saints. Then I saw another beast coming up from the earth. He had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Uh, he performs great signs so that he can, he can even make fire come down from heaven and on earth inside of men. So again, power over nature. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do so in the sight of the beast. Telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. And I believe those are the altars that were made to the Roman gods and to the Roman emperors. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. And that no one may buy or sell except the one who has the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. So what do we know so far about this? First of all, let's talk about the sea. So the symbolism of the sea, John uses the sea several times. Uh, one is in reference to creation. Of course, there was water before there was uh, land and, and such. The sea describes the limits of the angel's voice. They can only extend so far. So angels don't have supernatural power. Neither does the devil, who's a fallen angel. The sea symbolically indicates God's transcendence. So uh, water covers, right? We know that, that there is a core to the earth, but water literally covers the earth. We say two-thirds of it, but there's water all over it. And then the sea signifies the whole society known at that time. It talks about a sea of people. Uh, it doesn't just mention people. It'll be a sea of people to show an overwhelming nature. 
It's kind of like if you ever spill something, you know, and you think, I didn't know that much water could be in that glass. You know, I mean, you, it just, it goes everywhere. And you're cleaning, and you're cleaning, and you're cleaning. And so the sea uh, incorporates or, or covers up. And then you got the beast and the worship of the beast. And John describes the beast as having ten horns. And I'm going to discuss this a little bit later when we get to chapter 17. But here are just a few thoughts. One, these are some commentaries. One says they are unknown future rulers toward the end of the Roman Empire. Uh, some think they could be governors or provinces under the Roman Senate. So there's a reason why maybe there's ten. I think that there's ten hills, and we'll get to that in a few weeks. Uh, they are a Parthian satraps that will be coming back with Nero at the head of the Parthian forces to capture the Roman Empire. This is when Rome started, as it got further and further developed, instead of going in and killing everybody and destroying everything like the Greeks did and set up their own culture, Rome began to incorporate local culture in with theirs. And so uh, if they had a god, a Greek god of war, the Romans came in and said, well, you got it right. There's a god of war, but his name's also, and they would just come up with a new name. So if you look at the Greek uh, pantheon and the Roman pantheon, they're almost exactly the same, just have a different name. Um, so then you've got some say that they're purely symbolic, and others say that they could be mighty men on the earth. I think that they are uh, possibly emperors that reigned. I'll talk more about that in chapter 17. When we go to the ten, let me give you some of the, the uh, let me see. Let's go to this one. So the ten horns and kings, just to make sure we know uh, the, the emperors of this day. It starts, of course, with Julius Caesar. And then there's a triumvirate, which is Mark Antony and Octavian, uh, or Augustus, Lepidus. Those three uh, there rule at the same time. Then Augustus basically takes over. At 31 to 14, he would have been the emperor when Jesus was born. And then Tiberius, who was the emperor when Jesus died. And it's one of the reasons why Dr. Luke actually puts, instead of Lake Gennesaret, he'll put Lake of Tiberius. Because Tiberius went around renaming stuff after himself. It's kind of like Hoover did with the dam. You know, his name wasn't supposed to be on it, right? It was supposed to give... Supposed to give a, a, a nod to the previous administration, but he says, no, let's put Hoover on it. So all he did was stand there and cut the road. But anyway, you mean actually our presidents take credit for stuff the previous president did? Surely not. Uh, Caligula, who only reigned for four years, he was a bad dude. I can tell you some stories. I'll let you study it on your own. But he was. They talk about Nero being bad. Nero was bad. But Caligula was a monster. He was a monster. And then you got Claudius. Uh, Nero is pretty much uh, understood to be the one who persecuted and killed most of the apostles. And then uh, Galba, Otho, Vitellius, Vespasian. And Vespasian was the father of Titus. So Titus comes on the scene for a few years. He's the one that destroyed Jerusalem. And then Domitian. So there's 13. It's not 10. It's not 10. So I have, a, I have a hard time thinking that maybe it's just these uh, 10, 10 of the 13 emperors. It could be from uh, the emperor that took power when Jesus was here to the final, and that would make 10. But anyways, just so you can see, there was actually 13 before this book was finished. Uh, and then things that were given to the beast. Did you notice this? He says, the beast was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. So God allows him. To do this. Uh, second of all, he gives them a lot, uh, authority over 42 months. Some think that that's 42 years. Uh, and so that he's given all this time to persecute Christianity. And it, it kind of, as they say, waxes and wanes. It, there's times where it wasn't as bad and times where it was horrible. Then authority was made, uh, uh, authority to make war and overcome the saints, and then authority over every tug, tribe, and nation, and the work of Satan's all over the planet. Um, in fact, uh, we go to places around the world and see demonic influence. Uh, when I went to Cuba, there is a worship. Um, so you're probably familiar. You may have heard of Santeria. You may have heard of voodoo and things like that. Those are very popular down in the Caribbean islands. And uh, they, are, they were established basically as an, 
uh, antithesis to Catholic doctrine. So like the Catholics have the beads, so do they. You know, they have beads too. The Catholics have their images that they worship and pray to. Well, those that practice voodoo, sanctuary, things like that, they do too. They have little little images. And in order to inflict pain, you know, they put pins in them. And you can actually buy uh, in Havana. You can walk right into just about any shop and explain the, you know, go in there and say, hey, I got a, I got a, guy that I know or my boss or my ex, you know, you walk in there and you say they look like this and they'll make you a little image of basically that and then they will incense and pray over it and nonsense and they'll give you a pack of pens and you'll go back to your cruise ship going <laughs> uh, but uh, obviously it's satanic it's not spiritual it's not of God God would never, in fact, he says, turn the other cheek. He doesn't say get two extra pins and shove it in their eyeballs. So that religion is about inflicting pain. So everything that Satan does is the complete opposite on the paradigm from what Christianity does. So if we're all about unity, he's all about division. If we're all about love, he's about hate. Uh, if we're about peace, he's about war. So there is that great conflict that will happen until the end of time. Um, I want to save chapter 14 uh, for a couple weeks and focus on some of the singing that takes place in heaven. I think that's pretty neat. So we'll cover um, 14 and 15 uh, later. But what other questions do you have about this? Yes, Barbara. Mark of the Beast and 666. Yes, the Mark of the Beast. Now, uh, we do know that in their day, they were given... Uh, Symbols, we might say them uh, maybe uh, cards or uh, identification, but they were given specific identification to be able to use to buy things in the marketplace. Uh, the Jews were able to get this mark, and they say in the forehead or in the, in the right wrist, uh, the forehead obviously means to be seen by all, and the wrist means to be able to be used in that fashion. I don't know that they necessarily had tattoos. In fact, it's, it was kind of taboo to get tattoos unless you were an indigenous people. Um, but he says that when they, when they have access to this identification, this mark, uh, then they will be spared. And, and basically something we know from the first century is if you were a Roman citizen, uh, you could declare it or you could show it, whether it be a symbol or a coin or something, you had this identification saying, I am a Roman. And if you didn't have that, you were not given discounts. Think of it like a, a, your, your discount card, okay? But if you didn't have that, if you were just traveling through the land, the price of everything was more expensive. Um, you might not have access to certain places to eat or places to stay. And uh, so it was meant to be a control of the population. If you were a Hellenist, you were, you'd come in from another background, they wanted you to convert. They wanted you to completely convert to uh, Roman citizenship. And you have to pay for it. There's a story in Acts where Paul has this conversation with this guy. And he says, hey, you're a, a Roman citizen? He goes, yeah, I had to pay a lot for my, my citizenship. And Paul says, well, I was born a Roman citizen. And so that was like a step above. But many of the Christians would not become Roman citizens because they felt like it would be a betrayal to God because they're citizens of heaven. And Paul speaks about that a little bit in Ephesians. Um, but 666, there are some ways to play with the numbers or the letterings of some of the uh, uh, Caesars. Like, for instance, Nero. Some say that 666 represents Nero. But 666 is just simply, to put it easy, is it is, it is completely incomplete. 666 is the opposite of 777. Like, if, if you're looking at uh, 7 as a perfect number... So um, humanity is often referred to in the number four because there's four winds, there's four corners of the earth, uh, we have four limbs. So four, and then when you add three to four, that's seven. Three is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So Satan will never be 777. He's always going to miss the mark. So 666 is just meant to be a uh, demonic representation. And if you notice through Revelation, anytime the word six is used, it's bad. It's never good. It's never good. Um, but I don't think that they received tattoos. Some people say that they had little tattoos on their arms. I don't know that we can prove that. Um, but we do know that they had citizenship cards. 
and or at least pieces of gold or something saying, hey, and you didn't lie about it either. You could be put to death if you lied about your citizenship. Um, but I don't think it's an acrostic. I don't think it's uh Now, I will tell you, and kind of uh, not, not in an effort to freak you out, but uh, if you look at the Hebrew uh, number six, look at a monster can. <laughs> you ever seen a monster drink? Yeah, those letters on the front are 666. And if you read the top of the can, it says, Unleash the Beast. So, I don't know what that means, but it doesn't sound good. <laughs> we had a visitor last week, and, um, uh, well, he's been coming a lot, uh, and his, his son came, and they came at the side door up there in the front. You remember they came in if you were here two weeks ago? And so uh, his dad just flipped out. He's like, you came in carrying a monster drink? So he asked me about it, and I said, yeah, there's no question. That, that's, the, that's the Hebrew uh, numbering. And it is 666. And then it says unleash the beast, which is what is happening in chapter 13. So I said, I, I just know that, I don't know if it was intentional, but it looks intentional. So you can take that and do with it what you want. But uh, it, it's, do I? It's kind of sort of the way Satan works, isn't it? Yeah. He picks the innocent people right. to do something like that. And then those of you, I mean, right. I wouldn't have thought anything of it, but you know. Yeah. So for you, it was offensive. I guess. Yeah. Yes. You know? Uh huh. Yeah. And I think, too, um, again, with, with the number 666, it, is, it lacks perfection. It will never measure up. It, no matter what Satan does, he will never have the role of God. He's not even going to have full control of this planet. He's given some access to it, but not full control. He will not determine when the world ends. He couldn't determine when Jesus came. I mean, he had to wait and wait and wait. And uh, he didn't have access to the Father, to the wisdom uh, that went into it. That's why there were angels singing. And they were excited. This is the moment we've been waiting for. And Satan now sees the handwriting on the wall. And he had about uh, 4,000 years to do whatever he wanted in our, in our, our timeline. And now he's been added another 2,000, but he, he'll continue doing it. And I do think he hits harder on Christians. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, and that's why Revelation had to be written, to say, hey, look, the devil's out there. And, and I do, I have a strong feeling that whatever this was a reference to, because notice he says there, if you'll pay attention to these numberings, if you'll count it out, if you'll look at it, you're going to see what I'm talking about. And so it's cryptic, but he tells them it's cryptic. And that's rare. Usually, he just uses illustrations. So it could be a numbering thing. It could have been the number of uh, uh, a, uh, a Caesar. We don't know. But that's tough. So do you drink a monster drink? I don't. I don't. You ever had one? I have had them. Yeah. I drank them until I found that out. And then it bothers me. So Is it on the very top? Yeah. Huh? Says- yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a. Uh, let's see if I can pull it up here. Um, it, it little things like that. It's kind of like think everything happens for a reason, but we're not really sure sometimes if it's intentional. This one seems to be intentional. Um, I, I don't. I probably don't have to tell you that there are certain ingredients in some of our foods and drinks that we're not supposed to be partaking of. But um, well, who puts that drink in? I'm not Is sure. It like a Coke, Coke? Well, no, it's not Coke, but it's um. Yeah, it's it, it is a uh, it is a corporation. But remember, years ago, everybody freaked out about the the Church of Satan. Remember. Uh, the, the Church of Satan, Procter & Gamble is one of their main contributors. He gave like 30% of his income to them. So, um, so yeah, it was really hard. So here it is. The kids in high school are almost, I would say, addicted to these that they were drinking so many of them. A lot of the kids have ended up in the hospital. Yes. Yes. So there's the, there's the 666. Um, that's Hebrew lettering. And then it says, unleash the beast. So people will say, well, that's a secret satanic um, thing. doesn't look secret to me. <laughs> it covers the whole front of the can. But Does it, it have 666? That, that, that is. That's three sixes. Those are the Hebrew uh, numbers for six. That's how they would draw it out. And there's no question that they're all three the same symbol. 
hey, that symbol, it, it's on everything. Yeah, yeah. Yep, and that is, that's not claws. Yeah, well, I, I always thought it was claws. It's a monster. It's yeah. trying to claw out the inside of the cup, but no. That's a, that's a specific rendering to demonic things. So look at that. Monster energy. And you know, a lot of people that, that, that have that symbol probably don't even know what it stands for. No, and there's a video. I don't know if I can play it. There's a lady online. She goes around to these workshops and talks about it. But even the O in monster uh, is a uh, demonic symbol. So, so it, I don't think it's by accident. <laughs> Um, but it'll give you kind of a, a mindset that sometimes some of the products we eat drink, if, and you really can't do much because everything we touch is bad. I mean, I, I, there are certain things I thought all my life was great, and then the more I've learned, you know, I can't support it anymore. Um, but that's something that I just don't, I don't drink them. So. Sometimes I might not do much. Yeah, I'm afraid. Yeah, much learning has driven you mad. Is that what they told Paul? Yeah, so, yeah, I worry about that. And you can make a big deal, make a mountain out of a molehill. I know some people that are really good at that. So, um, but yeah, it's just just being wise, learning a little bit. That's like a few years ago, Walgreens was in trouble because it was part of Jewish nation. Right. to take over. Right. All this kind of stuff, and you know, yeah. I even carry a Sam's card. Right. You know, say you got to be a Roman citizen to get one of them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of the products we buy are, are made by children and slave labor, and we're like, don't tell me about it or, or ruin it for me, you know. And uh, I, I had problems with Target long before the transgender thing, but people finally were like, oh well. And it's hard because they have some good products that you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. Um, they have the cheapest Tylenol anywhere. You can buy an entire back box for them. Like one of the Yeah, I know. It's tough. It's as much as as much as we loved it. You know, we 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 haven't been back. We go to the go to the downtown area with the shopping. But that's it. Um, it's just hard. It's a it's a choice. So we're not gonna watch football this year. Oh, I don't know. I, I boycotted most of the football last year anyway. Uh, I'll watch my team play because I do like to watch football. All right, that's all we got until next week. Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, visit our website at rayreynoldswrap.com. If you'd like to contribute to the show, content suggestions, uh, questions, prayer requests, or even if you just want to reach out to us, you can email us at rayreynoldswrap at gmail.com. Have a great day as you seek to maintain an authentic life in Christ Jesus. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214.